at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by Sif Pop writer, Joe. Hey, folks. We uh, write for SifPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure to check out the website, SifPop.com, uh, to keep up with all of that. Uh, on the podcast today, we're going to talk about um, two movies that are coming out this week, and then on to our Sif topic. We're crossing off films from... Uh, well, actually, no, this week is not really films for my watch list. This is uh, Joe and I kind of doing, I'm going to call it like a change my mind challenge. And yeah, well, uh, well, we are trying to get each other to love a movie that we love simply by, hey, just check it out again. So we'll uh, we'll talk about Looper and Donnie Darko. Uh, I love Looper and uh, at least uh, we're, I'm, I'm saying all this before rewatches, but I loved Looper and Joe did not. And Joe loved Donnie Darko, and I did not. We will get updated rankings on where we stand on those films um, and uh, get a chance to explore the B-plot. Just kind of list out some other movies that we think are either underrated, under underseen. Kind of the idea being like, it's a movie that I really like, and so you should, um, I would encourage you to check it out because either maybe you didn't get it the first time or um, or maybe not you didn't get it the first time, or but like maybe like a... Uh, a second viewing might make you appreciate it more or even like, you know, don't the bad reviews. I mean, it, it could happen if it's super esoteric, it could just go right over your head. <laughs> yeah. So the idea of, uh, of the B plot is just movies that are movies that we think are either underrated or underseen. Um, just kind of general vague, pretty brief, but, uh, and of course we'll wrap up with the spinoff, but first let's get a chance to play a game um joe i've got two options for you uh we did the movie grid last month we can do the movie grid again if you'd like to or we could do a different game that i played with the boys uh last week and that is um kind of i'll give you a category and then you give me two movies that you think are going to add up to a hundred as close to a hundred as you can get on the rotten tomatoes critics meter without looking up so uh you want to do the movie grid or do you want to do the rotten tomatoes game i think the rotten tomatoes game sounds good Cool. So I'm going to give you a category. You have you have to give me two films that you think are on according to the Rotten Tomatoes critic scale, um, uh, as close to a hundred without going over. And then I'll give two films, and whoever is closest without going over will um, two combined, right? Be the winner. Yeah, two combined, <clears throat> not over. You know, as close to a hundred as you can without going over a hundred, and I'll do the same and whoever's closer so i'm gonna give a little bit of parameters to this um just by i'm gonna pick a genre and you know what um let's go with a horror film so any 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 two horror films that you think are gonna add up to as close to 100 as you can without going over i'm gonna say halloween season of the witch Mm -hmm. and uh john carpenter's vampire okay where do you think each of those films are gonna sit while i look it up I want to say that Vampires is probably going to be a lot lower. It's probably going to be like in the 30 range. Mm-hmm. And I think the I think the rest might pick up. Psych might get picked up from uh, what's called Season of the Witch. Especially mm-hmm. if it may, be, may have been revisited. You know what I mean? Sure. <clears throat> Sometimes they revisit reviews. I'm going to pick... See, uh, here's the thing. I was going to pick a movie that like I'm pretty sure is 97% and a movie that I know is zero. But I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to do just slightly different. So 
Because I was going to pick, I'm pretty sure Get Out is like a 97, 98%. And I know there's a horror movie from the late 2000s called One Missed Call that has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen that movie? Uh, I think so. Okay. It's actually a Japanese remake, I think. Uh, it is yeah. yeah and i remember like thinking the trailers were like super cool and the concept being super interesting so i watched it in high school and i remember thinking like oh it's fine but i just didn't watch like a ton of movies let alone horror movies so i was like okay cool interesting concept means good movie well wrong and um yeah no, right. it's a giant piece of crap <laughs> yeah you're, you're not watching it like with a really careful eye you know what i mean you're like, yeah, right it's fine. Yeah, I was like a 12 year old. Like, sure, most mm. movies are fine as a 12 year old. So it's, it, exactly. I remember the concept being like, you receive a voicemail and the voicemail tells you how you're going to die. And then, like, it happens. And, like, within like 24 hours or whatever. Cool concept. Dumb. Like, makes but, no sense, though. Like, but the execution was just so bad. Yeah. Execution was bad, but it's also like, it just make the concept makes no sense. It's 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 got so many like plot holes in it. Anyway, it's just like it even doesn't make sense in our culture. Like it makes sense more in like Japanese culture because they believe strongly in curses and like and yeah. It, there's more of an air to it. You know what I mean? There's more there's more horror aspect to it. So I can imagine that that version of the movie is far better. But yeah, oh, the I'm American sure. Ver- <laughs> American version. Yeah, I've but never I mean, seen like... trailers for it. <laughs> I I just like. You, they get the voicemail and they go kind of out of their way to say like people were trying to avoid things and still wound up dying that way, like trying to avoid you know like a specific sound they heard in the way. It's just and what just a dumb. I remember just a dumb resolution. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> instead I'm gonna pick another Jordan Peele film. I'm gonna go Us. I think Us is sitting at somewhere like a high 60s. Yeah, I think that's about right. Uh, and I'm. Oh boy. I'm trying to think of like something that would kind of compare that something that I think would fall in the thirties. So I think, you know, I'm going to go with my gut. I think if I recall correctly, I, nope, I don't recall correctly. Uh, I'm going to go saw two because I'm pretty sure I was going to say, I think the first, I think all the saw movies are rotten, at least like the first, like main, main drag. And but I think that first one was like a fifties in the fifties. And that would put me over the top. And I know it's just like almost an immediate, like plummet downwards. I kind of like saw two. And I want to say that one's probably in the twenties. So I'm going to check out yours. Season of the witch. You said you were thinking like mid thirties for that one. No, no, I think mid thirties for the, oh. uh, for vampire, uh, John Carpenter vampires. And okay. I think, I think the rest of the slack is going to get picked up by season of the witch. Cause I think, that, I mean, well, obviously <laughs> If you're right, then you're on a pretty good roll because Halloween three season of the witch is sitting at a uh, 50%. So, oh, nice. Um, which to me is criminally underrated, but I understand it. Um, what year was John Carpenter's vampires? Wow. All right. Joe coming out strong. John Carpenter's vampire sitting at a 43. Oh, nice. That puts your total at 93. Great job. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't think I'm yeah. going to beat it. That was a lot higher than I thought it was going to be for vampires, but I like oh that boy. movie, but it's like trash. I know it's a trash movie. Like it's a terrible movie. I'm screwed. Us is sitting at a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I, I think, I think it came out the gates. Like it was like super highly reviewed. And then some people were like, well, there's a lot of plot holes. If you think about it logistically, but like, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird film. If you really try to analyze it. Sure. I think in retrospect, people were, people were had like, I think it got a little bit less, uh, like the expert, the uh, reviews got tempered a little bit. I, 
I like it. I really like it. I was expecting lower because I remember it coming out and people like, yeah, it's fine, but it's not great. And I was thinking like, oh, I actually really liked it. Yeah, I did too. Saw sitting pretty at a 50%, but saw two. Saw two looking like. Oh, 37%. I'm way over. I was way over on both of my guesses. I thought I thought saw two was going to be like a 26 and us was going to be like a 73 or so. I'm, I'm surprised that it's that saw is that low as far as approval rating goes. I don't think it's that bad. No, I, I mean, I don't think in general consensus for people, I don't think it's below a six and that's their barometer, right? For being fresh. It is. So it's, the audience scores a 59% for saw two. So I, it's, to me, I that get sounds it. more fair than, <laughs> yeah, I get it. It's still the gory stuff, but yeah, I still, I really love saw two, but saw one. I, I remember like being really surprised when I watched it the first time. Cause I'm like, that movie's killer. Everybody's got to love it. Right. And it's like, Nope. So very nice. Good job, Joe. You, uh, beat me by a landslide. I am 30 points over and you are seven <laughs> points under. So oh, yeah. You beat me in terms of closest to 100 and closest to 100 without going over, which is the real challenge. Uh, do you want to do one more round or do you want to move on? Yeah, let's try one more round. That was pretty fun. Let's try it cool. out. Uh, I'm going to give you a different genre this time. And um, let's go with, you know what? Let's 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 pick an actor. And you have to pick a movie that this actor's been in. Or, you know what? Oh, boy. I was going to say Spielberg movies. But the problem is, like, you ha- you kind of have to get two rotten movies, you know? Let's go with Samuel L. Jackson. He's been in a ton of stuff and a wide wide variety of stuff. So two movies that have Samuel L. Jackson in it to some degree. Let's do that. Oh, boy. Let's do... I'm going to start with the low one. Mm -hmm. I'm sure this one's pretty low. Let's go Snakes on a Plane. I don't think it's as low as you think it is. It's certainly not fresh. (laughs) A lot of his films are kind of highly regarded, so I don't want to like... What about... um... What is it? One kiss, good night. The one with Gina Davis. The long kiss yeah, goodbye. Long kiss goodbye. Let's try that. I'm gonna play it safe and be real mm-hmm. conservative. I'm thinking I'm gonna hit like an 80 range, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm gonna go with you know I just I just I'm feeling this. I think these are two 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 movies that I've not seen that I think are gonna fall between like a 30 and a 60 each. One of them's gonna fall pretty low, and one of them's gonna fall probably in that mid range. So I'm going to pick, do you remember Lakeview Terrace, Joe? Yes. I think that's sitting somewhere in the thirties. Like a 37 is kind of what I'm thinking. I actually think I've seen bits and pieces of that one, but there's no way that's a fresh movie. No, it looks like a 30. And I'm going to pick Black Snake Moan, which I think is going to be a lot higher than I think it is. I think it's probably going to be high sixties, but I'm kind of banking on it being in like the forties or right. I'm seeing images in my head. Not that it's a spoiler because I don't know. It's yeah. still like unreliable as my brain, but. I'm thinking you're right. I've never seen it, but I want to say it was one of those, like it just kind of looked weird and definitely not like appropriate for somebody it's, my age when it came out. And uh, it's very interesting. I'll tell you that it's very unique. Yeah. All right. Well, Joe, I told you, man, the critics know what snakes on a plane is all about. <laughs> snakes on a plane sitting pretty at a 69%. On oh my tomatoes. God. Jesus. I didn't think it was that high, but I knew it was fresh. That's, that is, I thought it was like barely 60. Yeah, because I think that's one of those baffling ones. But I think the critics just kind of know. Well, yeah, they just, knew what they were getting. Yeah. Audience scores 49. And you know what? I'm more inclined to agree with the critics than the audience. <laughs> that movie's just, it's bad, but it's fun. One kiss, good night. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, 68%. So that's all right. So okay. I, I, I banked on it, that being, that being it. And I thought the 30 would be the, 
I yeah. had no idea where Long Kiss Goodnight was going to sit on the meter. It's a pretty good movie. Uh, I own it. It's on my watch list. Haven't seen it. It's fun. This is life. Lakeview Terrace sitting at a 44%. Ooh, a little higher than I wanted. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. How? I don't know, but audience score is 39%. So either way, like, I think there's a reason that this 2008 Sam Jackson movie got forgotten about. All right. I need like a, what did I say that was? 44. I need a 66 or lower for Black Snake Moan. Do you think I'm going to get it? I don't know. I don't know. I think you might. 66% exactly. Wow. wow. 100% on the dot. Look at me go. That's awesome. One more round as a tiebreaker, or do you want to move yeah. on? Yeah, All let's right. do one more. We got to break it up. Yeah. Joe, why don't you pick the, the parameters this time? It could be, you could do an actor, a director, a genre, a year range, whatever you're feeling like, just some sort of parameters that would be kind of wide enough, but also low enough, or, but also like not just movies you know <laughs> yeah not movies yeah director director wise yeah i mean like i feel like spielberg would be the best director pick or like maybe some, clint eastwood but i'm not like some people are a little like i was like of course easy was like no everything's like rated yeah. way too high it's like in the 80s and above usually yeah typically even the bad ones um yeah why don't we go yeah we're we gonna like martial arts films okay this one I might I be this, yeah this might be just tough all around because like i'm trying to like think like wreck my brain what would be like a mid like a lower range i've got my answer oh boy uh, it's gonna be close i'm gonna pick yip man three and yip man four and i know that i'm pretty sure yip man one is at like a 96 and two is at like a 93 i remember there being a drop off and i think there's a drop off in quality from the first two and the third one as well but I think that third one has a drop off to, I want to say somewhere in the sixties and I haven't seen four yet, but I want to say it's score was also pretty low. Kind of both, both somewhere in the, between the forties and sixties. So I'm taking a gamble, but you know that this is not really my genre. So yeah, that's where I'm going to go. want to go Bruce Lee's game of death. I think it's rated really low because the film itself is like incomplete and the edits are pretty awful. So I think it'll get tanked pretty low. And then uh, let's go fist of legend. Let's see if that like balances out because I think it's I think it's kind of slightly underrated. I think it, I don't think it's as highly rated as it should be. I'm hoping. Well, I was wrong. The original Yip Man sitting at 86, not a 96. Yip Man Two is at a 97, so I was right. And the drop off was substantial, but not anywhere near as far as I thought it would be. Yip Man Three sitting at a 77, and Yip Man Four at an 85 really thought i remember that one being rotten no i don't think i don't think anything that donnie yen touches <laughs> is, is ever rotten like i said i think all the yip man series like i said the lowest one was like a 70 which is the third one which i think the third one is pretty pretty cool i don't think it's as good as the first two though no yeah and, and i haven't seen the fourth one but well the the spinoff ones are always rated really low and i thought about including a spinoff one but i was really shooting for that like 40 to 60s each and are the spin-off ones rated low? I like one of the spin-off ones. They're pretty they're pretty decent. Yeah, the um just like by a brief glance. It's the reason why I never watched them, but the twenty nineteen Kung Fu Master one has a thirty six percent. Oh jeez. The twenty twenty one The Awakening um has a zero percent. The twenty thirteen The Final Fight, that was the one released between two and three. That one has a sixty seven. So that's not bad, but that's a you know, like a are all these like the same series? Or are they part of the series? Are they because like there's other Yip Man movies that people do? I th- I just assumed I thought that there was like the main line with Donnie Yen and the other ones were just spinoffs. Yeah, like that like weren't a, like that necessarily weren't like made by the same people, but they were based off of the same guy. I uh, gotcha. 
I thought, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's there there was a Yip Man series like movie. There's a couple that are out, like you said, outside of like Donnie Yen in that production, like all together. But, um, yeah, yeah. The this I I consider the spinoffs as the ones that don't start Donnie Yen. So anyway, uh, I'm very wrong. So as long as you're under a hundred percent, you win, and that's fine. Um, Game of Death. What year is this? It's got to be the seventies. Oh, the yeah, seventy nine. Right. Yeah, forty six. Okay, that's not bad. I bet you a lot of that got picked up by a lot of the uh, deleted scenes that got added. <laughs> well, and there's also a weird like the my biggest thing against Rotten Tomatoes is well, I mean, first of all, the fact that like it's an aggregate, and so like most people don't actually understand that as an aggregate. The sixty six percent just means that sixty like on a thumbs up or thumbs down, like sixty sixty six percent of people are like sure, why not? You know, sure, yeah, they give it a like it doesn't steps. actually mean <laughs> that the movie is you know a six out of ten. But so I think people just don't understand that. I mean, obviously the people listening to this podcast understand that, but, uh, and then the other thing is they include like re-releases like empire strikes back does not have a hundred percent because if you look at any of the rotten tomatoes ones, it's people criticizing the special editions and saying like, don't like, it's a great film, but don't pick up this release. And it's like, that shouldn't count. You know? Yeah. I don't think it should <laughs> They wrote a negative review for a re-release of a film market as separate, not under the empire your regular empire strikes back. So anyway, all right, Fist of Legend. You need a fifty-four or lower. Well, that's not gonna happen. You sure? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, you got a? Is is it the Jet Li movie? Yeah, yeah. You got a hundred percent on that one. Hundred percent. That is a one hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes movie. Well, I'm glad because <laughs> it deserves it. Well, Joe, our tiebreaker didn't break the tie, so I say we call it a stalemate and we move on. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. We are we are both winners today because you got the first one right, I got the second one right, and we both went over the third. So you know, a a hearty handshake and a tip of the hat to you, good sir. <laughs> Before we move on, uh, ran, one random question, Joe. Um, something non pop culture related, but uh, I'm curious. Um, and if you have a preferred style as well, go ahead and answer this. But what do you like to put on your pizza? I like to put on a pizza. Um, and like, if you have a specific like style that you prefer you know thin crust stuffed crust pan baked you know like new york style chicago style i don't know is there like a west coast style like i don't think so like i know like californian pizza is a thing but i think that's more the toppings not the like, yeah, yeah way it's baked yeah i just love pizza in general but um mm-hmm. i don't know i'm just i'm gonna i'm gonna be that be that person like you know i really do a lot of people say, uh, you know, you shouldn't put pineapple on pizza, but I do like, I do enjoy a Hawaiian slice every now and then. Sure. Not gonna lie. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. I do, um, I do pineapple on my barbecue chicken. When that we sounds order, amazing. Yeah. We order Pizza Hut normally, and I do barbecue sauce instead of marinara, chicken, pineapple, and mushroom, and that's it. And it, it's killer. That, yeah, that, that acid that you need to the, you know. Mm-hmm. The sweetness, the sweetie, sweet vinegary of the barbecue and the acidity of the pineapple and then kind of balanced by the way too dry chicken and the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the mushrooms is, is just kind of an elite combo to me. So that's true. If I have it like if I order like pizza, I order stuffed crust in college when I ordered from Domino's, I would do pan style. But um, we all know if there's Chicago style around, I'm taking that for sure because yeah. it's the it's the definitive version of the way you do. Yeah. Obviously, if I'm doing a Chicago style, I'm not doing barbecued i'm just doing like a a meat lovers or just a straight pepperoni if i can get like like supreme style is great i just don't want onions you know so like peppers mushrooms sausage pepperoni all that's good just don't want mushrooms or black olives on my pizza 
I'll pretty much eat anything on a pizza, but I mean, I love, I grew up eating combination pizza too. So like I said, I'm yeah. all for like, you hate black olives. Like I'm all for that. Mm. On my pizza. Like I said, mm. I think anything belongs on a pizza. So as long as you like it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it. that's, that's ultimately, you know, whatever you want to put on your pizza. Fine. You know, it's, if you, if you do anchovies, good for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I probably would eat it too. If I was, <laughs> I could probably, I'd probably take a slice right now. It'd probably be fine. Oh man, I got to stop bringing up food at the start of the podcast then. Anyway, two movies to talk about. Um, There are a lot coming out this week. Um, And if you listen to the 2024 preview episode, you'll know that there's a lot coming out this week. Um, We're going to talk about Mean Girls in the Book of Clarence. But this week, there's also a new David Ayer movie starring Jason Statham called The Beekeeper. Uh, A new um, F. Gary Gray, Kevin Hart, uh, Gugumbathu Robinson, D'Onofrio movie called Lift coming to Netflix. Thomas Vincent uh, role play with Kayla Kuoko and Bill Nye and some other people that's coming to um, Amazon MGM studios. I assume it prime and next week, since we're doing the, um, uh, the, the, the top five of the year from each of the writers, we're not going to do the coming attraction. So ISS is coming next week. Uh, so sunrise from Andrew Baird, um, a Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren written directed movie. Wow. That could not be more of a red flag. Uh, called Wanted Man. <laughs> I just I don't remember seeing that when I was doing the prep for that episode. But there's a lot coming out this week and next week, especially if you really want to get into some of the indie stuff. But because all that was new, Nash and I kind of talked a little bit of, enough about it. So we're just going to talk about Book of Clarence and Mean Girls here. They're both coming out January 12th, theaters exclusively. So, Joe, which one would you like to start with? We can go and start with Mean Girls. Cool. Uh, mean Girls is uh, the movie based off of the musical, which was based off of the musical, or based off of the movie. Katie Heron uh, is hit with the plastics, an A-list girl, or an A-list girl click at her new school when she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of Alpha Plastic Regina George. Um, written by Tina Fey, Samantha Jane, and Arturo Perez Jr. Directing. Uh, we got Angry Rice, John Hamm, Renee Knapp, Jenna Fisher, Ashley Park, Tina Fey, uh, Busy Phillips, Tim Meadows, lots of fun people, both n- new, entirely new, uh, and returning from the movie and returning from Broadway. Lots of uh, fun and exciting names that uh, people will certainly know if they know. So, uh, Mean Girls, uh, Joe, first question, have you seen the musical? I have not. I've only seen the film. Got it. Uh, second question on the anticipation scale. Remember your budget, your schedule, none of that. We're going to take into effect. It's only your your free will. Would you check this out in theaters? Uh, would you wait till you can stream it at home? Would you wait till you, or sorry, rent it at home? Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for. Uh, wait to kind of hear initial reactions before you decide. Or are you just not interested in this movie? I'm not one of those people that think that like like films don't like need like another iteration for another like another generation, but. I don't. I, I think that the original Mean Girls film is like fresh enough where I don't think it needs a remake. I mean, I don't know. I, I just think this film was kind of redundant, kind of reductive. So for me, I I probably I probably say I'm just not not interested. Like I don't think I'd watch this. Uh, and it's kind of interesting they do have like returning. I guess that would be fun for for some people because it's kind of meta that they've added a bunch of people that are both like in the previous film and in Broadway. So I'm I'm sure like people that really enjoyed Mean Girls like and like are all in they're gonna they're gonna love this but it's just not for me this isn't really for me so i'm gonna say no i've made my voice very clear on this podcast uh this is one of my most anticipated movies of the year i think it fell at three in my rankings i am 100 percent as soon as i can possibly go to this movie me and my wife are going i understand the criticism i 
I do think there, I, I do think the fact that it it's a musical um, is certainly going to deter some people. And the fact that it is kind of a remake, it's, it's weird because like it is telling the same story and it unfolds the same way that the movie does. Like you're not getting any new like narrative, but you are getting new jokes and you're getting a new way of telling the narrative in this version. And I, I just really loved the musical and wasn't like was expecting to really like it, but really loved it and thought I love the movie and just didn't think that the musical could stand a chance. I, if you ask me which one I'm would be more excited to watch, like go see the musical again or watch the movie again, I'm probably picking the musical. So I have experience with it. And so there's that. But we're um, I, like, I, I understand. Like, I understand the hesitation. I just because there there is nothing new narrative going on. So like. If you don't like musicals, you have no reason to watch this movie if you've seen the original. But or or if you like musicals and the songs don't really hit for you, it's like you know it's not really you know what I mean because like musical taste is just like sure. all across the board too. So like there's that as well. Like there's definitely musicals I've seen where like I love them and other musicals I'm like I could take it or leave it. But so yeah, it's it's very like poppy. It's very like high schooly. The soundtrack. Um, it's got a very like kind of odd blend of like uh rock and uh like pop so it's i don't know it's kind of it's very taylor swifty i guess like because <laughs> sometimes she'll have like a you know very poppy thing and then she'll come out with something that's like oh like this is you know more like rock driven or whatnot and and i love it all anyway so um <laughs> like i I'll, i'm tired of uh repeating myself over and over again here this movie cannot come soon enough i cannot get it in my eyeballs and ear holes uh soon enough and um, I just am ready for the world to experience this and um, hopefully fall in love with it the same way that I did. Hopefully it's not as botched as, say, the Dear Evan Hansen uh, musical adaptation. Hopefully it more runs along the line of some of the better ones that have come out recently. You know, like um, I really like Les Mis, but I was trying to think of more like a recent musical that was adapted for the screener. You know, when Hamilton came out, right, like we all were going to love Hamilton, but, you know. I guess that wasn't a film adaptation. That was a recording of a stage play. But either way, point is, I'm ready for it to be here. And I can't wait for it to come. And I completely understand where you are, Joe. I really hope that um, that it comes out in some, for some reason. I really hope it comes out, it's good. And for some reason, you wind up watching it and prove yourself wrong. Might happen. Yeah. Could. It's always possible. All things are possible in film and pop culture. So um, you ready? you ready to move on? Or do you have anything to say about Mean Girls? Aside from that. No, I think we're good to move on. Cool. Uh, we'll also talk about the Book of Clarence coming out uh, this week. This is written and directed by James Samuel and starring Lakeith Stanfield, Omar Sy, uh, James McAvoy, Alfred Woodard, um, apparently Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't remember seeing him in the trailer, um, but to be fair, I was watching the trailers. I was setting up this podcast. So uh, Book of Clarence is uh, struggling to find a better life. Clarence is captivated by the power of the rising Messiah and soon risks everything to carve a path to to a divine existence. This is kind of like it's set. It's supposed to be set in like Jesus's day and time. It kind of feels like a modern like life of brian kind of thing without being a modern life of brian yeah so book of, <laughs> book of clarence joe where do you sit <coughs> excuse me theaters rent stream skip wait for initial reaction or not interested uh for me it'd be, a, it'd be a theater like it seems really interesting like you said it has that kind of like life of brian feel but kind of kind of not 
there definitely seems like there's notes are going to be a little more serious, but like there are some jokes in there, like satirical aspects where like, Oh yeah. Like th- those are definitely like things I would hear, you know, I mean, in that film as well. But, um, I don't know I'm, I'm for it. Um, I, I think the cast looks great. I like anything like he Stanfield's in, even if he's in like death note. Movie. <laughs> I'll still watch it. You know what I mean? Uh, I think he's good. I think he's a solid performer and he throws himself in every role he's in. So yeah, I'm into it. Um, I think the art direction looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Like it looks, it looks pretty crazy. So I'll, uh, I'm going to go one step lower than theaters and just go rent at home. I, and it's mostly because I think conceptually I'm really into this movie. It's written and directed by the guy that did the harder they fall, which I really love about two thirds of that movie and think that it's just probably a third of a movie too long. But, um, at the, like the first third, <laughs> but like once the movie gets going, I just have a blast and, it's stylized as hell, which is cool, like because it means like, oh, cool, I'm interested. Like the the director is definitely a green flag. So, and Lakeith Stanfield is arguably the like best working actor. Yes, especially if you want to talk like younger side. I mean, he's not he's not like a you know he he couldn't pull off like a high school or a college. I don't think anymore. But you know, he's a easily like a relatively new ish. He's been in the business for a while. Anyway, I'll stop my. He's a great actor among the elite, I would say, in my book, uh, in terms of skill and ability. And so I'll watch anything that he's in pretty much. Um, but I really, really watch any sort of like biblical era comedy thing. I just think there's so much material there like that people could use like to be satire or fun. And Monty Python's Life of Brian is just great. And yeah, I have yeah, no yeah, reason to believe yeah, this won't be there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it just doesn't quite grab me the same way. Like it doesn't quite grab me and scream like, I, I, I don't know, I guess if there, if you're going to do it, like I want a brief like in and out 90 minutes, super funny, kind of like Life of Brian and Book of Clarence looks like it's going to be a two hour and 16 minutes and looks like it's going to be fun and looks like it's going to have funny moments. And I hope they just saved the funny moments for the trailer. But it, I, I, I was expecting a little bit more like. I don't like maybe like more of a slapstick or more of like a joke per minute kind of movie as opposed to like this is going to be a funny movie, but it does look like it's going to try to do both comedy and be a serious movie as well. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just more excited for like a 90 minute slapstick comedy than pretty much any genre out there right now. You know, (laughs) Well, they don't make that many of them anymore. No. And that's like, that's probably why, you know, because, yeah, I mean. There was Monty Python and then there was Mel Brooks and then all the 90 minute comedies, slapstick comedies just became bad. <laughs> exactly. Oh, anyway, um, anything else about the book of Clarence? No, I just think it looks great. Like I said, just to reiterate, I think the cast looks amazing. Um, like I said, I think, I think where it's either, it's either going to succeed or falter. It's just going to be that finding that balance between being both comedic and serious. And like, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to follow. It's a hard thing to, to really not hit. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, on that note, we'll move on to the SIF topic. But before we do, a uh, real quick chance to promote your stuff. Uh, Joe, people have got to hear a little bit about you and some of your opinions. And if they want to hear more, where, they, where can they find that? Yeah, social media wise, like the only place I'm like super active is on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at the Star Spangled Avenger with an underscore under each one of those words. Uh, talk, I mean, I'm on there talking about like a variety of things. I mean, I'm on like a super anime kick right now. So it's like anime plastered everywhere. But yeah. Nice. And as a quick reminder, patreon.com slash for early access to episodes, among other things. Check it out over there. Let's move on to the SIF topic. Uh, we're, we're doing this thing. It's called like the, I'm called it, calling it the change of my mind challenge. And I'm taking it because I, I'm taking this name from 
this account that I follow on TikTok. Uh, it's called Liber and Co. L I B E R and Co. They make um, syrups for cocktails, uh, and so they like take different flavors and make different syrups uh, that you can use and whatnot. And they're really high quality. They're really good. But what they do is like there's two guys that present a drink to somebody that's like, I don't like this particular drink, and then so they have to then craft a drink. Um, using that ingredient and then it gets rated based off of appearance can you taste the ingredient and overall taste and whoever you know whoever whoever does the best job wins but also hopefully that person can then be like i would order this at a restaurant i would pay for this you know even though it has the ingredient that i don't like so not quite what we're doing here but i think just change my mind challenge is kind of what we're going for in essence um so um i really love looper um and wish yeah, when we were talking about these a couple of months ago, I was like, I really love Looper. I wish Joe would love it. And um, Joe was like, well, I really love Donnie Darko and you don't. So I really wish you would love it. So we have each watched the other full confession right up the front. I just didn't get around to seeing Looper this week. Um, so I'm going based off of memory. But I did see Donnie Darko a couple of hours ago. So, Joe, which one would you like to start talking about first? Let's start talking about Looper first. Okay. Looper is a 2012 uh, movie written and directed by Ryan Johnson, starring Bruce Willis, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Emily Blunt, uh, Paul Dano, uh, Piper Perabo, Jeff. D- uh, I said Jeff Daniels, didn't I? Yep. No, I didn't. Jeff Daniels. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, honestly, like a, a a handful of people that are like always in Ryan Johnson movies, like Noah Segan or um, I think Garrett. Uh, Dillahunt is like one of those like perfect like oh that guy you know like you 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 recognize him but I don't think anybody would if if I told you to tell me his name I don't think you could but he's in a bunch of stuff and I really like him anyway as soon as she said his name I knew who he was I'm like yeah like that cool. guy that guy in the, that guy in the scene I was like I I know who that was yeah it's one of those like faces I'm definitely like I know that guy but the story for Looper is in 2074 when the mob wants to get rid of someone their target uh, is sent into the past uh, which is our present day where a hired I guess present day being 2012 <laughs> where a hired gun awaits and then uh, someone like Joe played by Joseph Gordon Levitt who one day learns that the mob wants to close the loop by sending back Joe's future self for assassination. Um, Joe, real quick, will you tell me before your feelings like watching it this time, if I'd have asked you a week ago, um, what your thoughts are on loop or what would you have said? I mean, I don't, I, by no stretch or no means, I think it's like a bad film. I think it actually has a, like a pretty interesting concept. I just thought the execution could have been a lot better. So if you'd ask me, I'd be like, I thought it was fine. Like it's not something I would go back and revisit, and it's not something that like I often like rewatch. So, okay, I think I've seen it now three times. I think. Okay, I saw this in theaters opening weekend. I thought it was the second best movie of 2012 at the time, behind Argo. I really love Argo, but man, I kind of really wish this was. I don't think this wasn't Best Picture nominated, but at the time, I would have been like, I would have loved to see it win. Like it feels like a movie that. The Oscars could have picked because it's it's actiony, but it's not too actiony. You know, it's not like the Avengers was this year. The Avengers is never going to win. But and it's like it's it's high concept. It's doing something new, um, but it also like does have like really good performances and whatnot. It, I don't know, like long shot, but like realistically, maybe could have at least been a Best Picture nominee, and I don't believe it was. Uh, actually, by the looks of it, no Oscar nominations. Um, but I will double check that. I don't remember it getting anyway. I've loved this movie for a while and again, did not get to see it. So that is not going to change at this moment. I, this is 
probably me just being exaggerated, but I have this rated as my, oh, geez, if Letterboxd would load. I want to say ninth favorite movie of all time. I just think it's, I, I think if if I were to say, I think a lot of my love for the movie is in the concept. And I do think the execution works. I just, I have it 11. Okay, 11 out of all time. And maybe if I were to watch it, I don't know. But I also think maybe it's one of those movies where I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm not quite sure that it deserves to be up that way. And then I watch it and I'm like, yeah, no, 11 is totally fair. So I don't entirely know. I'll be talking off my past experience. But I do I do remember this movie more for the concept and the like world building and all the little details that went to it as opposed to the execution. But I do remember some like really interesting like camera work and, of course, character stuff and Joseph Gordon-Levitt just absolutely being a young Bruce Willis. So, Joe, you've seen it now again. On the Sif Pop scale of like it, love it, hate it, it's like I think it's just okay. Where do you land? Oh, I'd say on like the low side of like it. I I think it's a I think it's a pretty good movie. Um, uh, I think on another like more careful kind of like careful watch, I'm like th- there's some there's some elements to it that are actually pretty awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think at the time, like I, I found the prosthetics really jarring. But like, but now I'm like super used to it. Plus, also if you've seen Destroyer with Nicole Kidman, like man, you go from that to like that those type of like face prosthetics, it's like night and day. Yeah, you know? it's not quite there. It, it's it's a little jarring, and I wonder if that's just we're so used to seeing Joseph Gordon's Levitt, Levitt's face, right? Like, but now I'm not because he's not in a lot of stuff now. So I <laughs> sure. just saw like a younger like Bruce Willis, so it kind of worked better. His eyes are a different color. He's got just a slightly different like. Uh like hairline and they like widen his face a little bit yeah it definitely has like a really kind of solid kind of new in the war feel to it mm-hmm. the the narrative stuff is like effective sometimes sometimes a little over the overbearing but like i think overall it's a it's it's a it's a pretty decent movie um uh, it feels like terminator i it, in in a good way mm-hmm. i kind of like the element of like he's fighting his older self and his older self is always going to be a step ahead or that much better than him. Mm-hmm. So it really does have that, like kind of like that, that Terminator like shape, this, this unstoppable force that's coming to coming to kill him or coming, you know, coming to kill this kid. I kind of like that element to it. So um, yeah, I actually thought it was pretty decent when I actually like kind of saw it through that lens, what they were kind of going for or what I felt like he was going for. Yeah. Yeah. I we're, we're by the way, we're going to fully spoil this movie. So if you haven't seen it, I'd recommend you check it out before yeah, talking about watching, it. Yeah. Um, but just real quick, since we didn't mention it, spoiler warning for both of these movies, Looper and Donnie Darko. Um, but we'll get to Donnie Darko after we're done talking about Looper. So if you have seen Looper, but not Donnie Darko, don't worry, we're not going to spoil that one just yet. But uh, Looper, I, I just think this movie does such a great job at it's only two hours long, but I feel like I got I, like, I feel like I spent so much time in this world because they just do all the little things really well, right? Like it's we're get we're introduced to this world that's clearly like slightly different or slightly future like and there's like this like the little tk hints right like telekinesis is kind of a new thing and so like people are exploiting that the world is still a little slummy the cars are advanced but like they haven't like actually made new cars yet they've just like adapted current cars by adding like solar panels on top so it's one of those where it's like it still feels like in reach you know, like, it's not like when you watch Blade Runner, you're like, wow, that's very clearly not our world, right? Like, it really feels like we could be there in five years, you know, or we could have been there in five years, you know, in 2012. I was certainly thinking like, man, like, it's, 
it fe- it feels so close, but like all the little things that they do really well, um, you know, like between the vehicles and like some of the weapons that they use and like a lot of the little ways that they talk about things and how like there still are little pockets and uh, even just the idea that like in the future, the mob wants to kill somebody, right? So they send them back in time to immediately get blown away with a shotgun. Like, sure, it makes sense to me. That's how that's how you could do that, certainly. But uh, <laughs> the... Um, like that idea is really cool and then you add the idea that they are closing these loops so your future self is getting sent back and here's a bunch of money and go live your life and you'll die eventually by your own hand you can't change the future so it's uh it's just it's just really cool but also like the little details that they'll add into it like how the paul dano character is like he's singing a song that only he would know right so it allows him to escape but then, right. like, they wind up, like, <laughs> manipulating and torturing the young one so much that the old one just kind of disintegrates and dies. Like, it, like, and you get to see that unfold. Man, the special effects are really cool. And the, kind of the way this film is edited, I think there's one bad edit in this film that's just kind of, like, a little jarring because it doesn't quite make total sense. But I think, like, the way that, like, everything is... I just I just love this movie. I think it's got maybe Bruce Willis's last great performance. I'd be hard pressed to think about a performance that I really liked of his after 2012. It's got Joseph Gordon. It's not my favorite Joseph Gordon-Levitt performance, but like he's really good at getting all the little mannerisms of Bruce Willis between like the, like the way he talks and the way that like his eyes move or twitch and like just the way his body moves. Like you can tell he just watched but, Bruce Willis yeah, he, movies for weeks, you know, he really put a lot into it. And it really, it really pays off. Like he's, um, I will say that about it. Like, it's, it's really cool to kind of like see like especially the diner when they're talking to one another like he's just like i don't want that life he's like no you're going to have this life and you're gonna right. like it you know what i mean like that whole like fighting with himself but it's like he's like i have no attachment to that i'm living in the now like i have no idea what that is he's like if you show me who that lady is right now i'm gonna go find somebody else right now and that's why he won't show him too like those little aspects those are the things that really grab me the fact that he wouldn't show her what she looked like initially because he knew that he could change uh, he could change that aspect. You know what I mean? Like that was really cool. But, like those little details. Yeah, and like <laughs> I just man, the little details are what gets me about this movie, right? Like just the like I I think you're absolutely right in your Terminator comparison. I think this is what if Ryan Johnson made a Terminator movie because it's very similar, right? It's very much like yeah, you know, the, the structure wise, you know what I mean? Like some, right. Somebody you've sent back in time and yeah, you're right. Bruce Willis is his sole intent is to kill his younger version or, or, or he will, yeah. he'll, I mean, he'll like maim him to get, you know, get to this, this kid that's going to, you know, change his, right. Yeah. Change his He's going to kill his future wife. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think, man, I just love the ending of this movie. Cause I think the movie is like really good. I think what really sells it is the ending to me where, where he kind of realizes that, if he is the reason why this kid is going to grow up and be terrible um, because he's going to watch, you know, his mom get really hurt and that that kid's going to freak out and he's going to bear so much pain. And it's it's better to sacrifice himself to for that kid to be to grow up in a and not be a jerk. You know, hopefully he can learn from his sacrifice and the kindness that they shared and whatnot. You know, it's like I, I just I really like that ending. It's it, like it really I, I, jarring the first time I watched it. I was like, whoa, because it kind of comes out of nowhere. But like, it's him closing his own loop, but also like closing the loop of this. This kid is not going to grow up and become this evil tyrant that we, you know, we know the Rainmaker, you know, 
Um, I think the thing that's really that really sells it too. I think the time that I watched this is like they. Uh, I really focused on how selfish he really is. He's like he's incredibly self selfish. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't know. To me, I thought he was more like with it, and like he had his stuff together, which he kind of does to an extent. But like he's like overindulgent later, like he's doing mm-hmm. a bunch of drugs, like mm-hmm. he's very selfish and he's going to go down that road again anyways. So it's like, it's kind of fun to see this really selfish character do something completely selfless to like the utmost degree of her. Like, he's like, yeah, like in the grand scheme of things, I don't really matter. <laughs> right. But like I'm going to both get this, this woman that like helped me out get her killed. And then also like this, this horrible, like world, almost world ending event is going to happen. You know what I mean? It's going to change. <laughs> It's going to change things, you know what I mean? Like, the, the, the balance of power is going to change. So it's like, well, and then, you know, you know what happens then, but, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, when you think more deeply about it, it, it does, like, it's more effective. Like, Well, and it's it's interesting because, like, I think the movie is set up in a really, like, clear way where I understand. I, I, I never, like, necessarily side with either character, either version of Joe, but I understand where they're coming from. You know, where Bruce Willis is like, you're going to... Yo, you're going to live your life and eventually you're going to meet this woman and she's going to clean you up and she's going to give you the best life you've ever had imaginable. Right. Like, so go do that. But then he's like, I don't know this person, you know, and and not of that. But like, if I don't kill you, I will never get to live in peace. Like, like, I totally understand both sides. And it's, it's that weird where it's like, man, I don't really know that I'm rooting for either of you, at least at that point. Right. Because Joe is such a selfish guy. The Bruce Willis one, like Joe, like never changes. But like you kind of understand why he doesn't change. He's like, you don't get better until you meet this person. Well, he, so you he need to meet this he person. Have to, you know what I mean? Like he's he's already like yeah, yeah, lived a life for you know, lack of a better term. Like right, right. So like he's yeah, he's lived his life, and he's like, you will meet this person. She will change your life. It's going to be great. And I'm going to kill this kid. So hopefully, you know, it won't happen. Right? Like it's uh you know and he's ruthless right you mentioned like terminator like there's just like the scene of him like walking away because he it's very much like terminator when he's going down and killing every sarah connor you know he's like going to every farmhouse with the kid born on that day you know and figuring you know it, it it's just um it, it, yeah it's that weird where like you see both sides and i don't really want to side with either of you but like to me it's it's just this world is set up so well and i think the i think the finale is just remarkable right you have like you know you have the kid who's going to grow up and be the rainmaker. He's kind of coming into his powers now. Emily Blunt's giving a great performance as well. We haven't really mentioned her all that much. This is the movie that I think introduced me to Emily Blunt. Yeah, it was either this or Emily, Edge of Tomorrow. I think Edge of Tomorrow was the year after. This is the first movie I ever saw her in. Yeah, she's yeah. she's really impressive in it. I I I didn't know that she wasn't American. So effective enough accent for me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know too many you know, kind of. I guess they're they're in Iowa, right? Yeah, are they? Yeah, I think they said they're in Iowa, but like, I I could be wrong. Uh, maybe I definitely okay. So I saw her in a, the Adjustment Bureau, but I don't think I like I'd, I'd seen her before, but I don't think I really thought anything of her until Looper, and then I was like, oh, and then two years later was Edge of Tomorrow, and a year after that was Sicario. It's like great, she's yeah, <laughs> a, she's S tier, yeah. So. So, so either way, yeah, she's she's really good in this movie, and I think just kind of the way everything plays out, you know, there's like there's like even the reveal that he's uh, that the kid is is the rainmaker, and the way that that comes out, where that one guy that I couldn't tell you his name, but you could, where he just gets like obliterated in their living room, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's just lots of like fun 
it's just a world that I really wish, like, I kind of want to spend more time in, but also, like, I don't because I think this movie's just, like, it's the perfect length. I don't want any more narrative. Like, I don't need more. I don't need more. Like, I get enough backstory of Joe because we get to see him live his life completely. Yeah. In the fir- in the opening montage, you know, and and not only that, but then we get to see what happens to Paul Dano's character. What's going to happen to to Joe? And if like we it's 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 so close to the real world, but it's like just far enough where I'm like, OK, it's not reality. It feels like it's almost there. Like you could convince me this is a really close parallel universe or like, again, like 10, 15 years from now. And and. It's it's also just cool. It's shot very cool. The 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 costumes are cool. You know, I love their outfits. Not so much a fan of the like slicked back hair, but again, where Joe is a mobster, you know, like <laughs> he's not a yeah. You know, he's part of organized crime, and he's not a guy that we're particularly rooting for in the beginning. You know, he's even a he's a drug addict, right? And, I like how he gets critiqued too. Like he gets critiqued. He's like, hey, like that whole look, like that's been that's been done. Like that's nothing new. <laughs> like why don't you like wear some lights or something or like. I thought that whole conversation was cool. Like it was a critique on his like style, his fashion. Yeah. And of course, because it's a Ryan Johnson movie, this it's just funny. Like, like there's the, the running gag about how like kid blue is trying to like spin the gun around his finger and yeah, winds up like foot. shooting himself in the foot. Like, it's uh, it's just got a lot of like little fun. I would say this is probably Ryan Johnson's least funny movie. Yeah, it's a little more serious, but even then, like that 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 character was really right in the line where it's like you guys almost, uh, yeah, almost didn't work, but like uh, I think he played it off well with his his actual like just just needing to get the approval of his father. I think they played that across pretty well. Where of course he's a you know a bumbling idiot. Yeah, I think I think that's about it for me. Like again, having not seen it, I don't know how much how many more specifics I can get into. I just know like. It's probably more about the world than it is the narrative, but I also, I just, I love the finale. I think you've got great world building leading up to a really great finale. It's kind of like what I want in a movie like this, you know, like, uh, and I, I remember walking out of the think- theater thinking my only flaw is there's one of, again, it's one edit that's like, it shows Joe growing up and being old. And then it like cuts to him, like hunting down Bruce Willis. And then like kind of cuts back to him. So I think it's just supposed to show us like what happens if he kills his old self, but it doesn't make sense. Like canonically timeline or whatever. Like, I think it's just like supposed to show us like if he pulls the trigger now, this is the way his life goes out and it doesn't get good. And so, and, and then it gives us that brief hesitation. So I don't, I don't, I just remember there being like one just really weird sequence thrown in that just really felt out of place, but I think it's intentional and I think it's just maybe not edited this, but either way, I think, um, I think the movie's awesome, and I, I I wish I would have watched it again today or recently. But um, catching up on the the films of the year, and then just having a really odd work schedule this last uh, couple of days, unfortunately, I didn't get around to seeing it. So yeah, that's a part of the movie that I still find confusing because I mean that's just time travel, right? So, yeah. So if like he killed his older self, right, and then, like lived his life, and that was his older self, it's just like. Well, how does that work? Is that a tangent universe? Is it like a different alternate universe now that's getting branched off? You know what I mean? Because like you close a loop, you close a loop. You know what I mean? Like I think <laughs> I think we're meant to believe. So he he just he had these memories that like so he grows up and then gets sent back. He gets closed the loop. I think we're shown him successfully close his loop or something. 
and then like to kind of see like his life is going to be bad and then but it's like it's it's we're sort of supposed to be in his head for just a split second and none that's not actually supposed to be canon that's just him kind of seeing his life flash before his eyes and then it goes back to continuing to be canon so again i it's been maybe three years since i've seen the movie well i think that like i said i think the thing that falters is just like at some point in time for him to get old he would have had to have closed his loop so it's like so he did even though if that, if that scene wasn't meant to show that at some point in time he had to have killed his older self to get to the and that's just time travel stuff so that's just being that's just the way it works like yeah. <laughs> there's always gonna be st- a sticking point that people don't want you to really focus on and that's usually like the element like and that's why people are like oh well there's like tangents and there's like alternates yeah. and there's like so well and the whole idea of like if there is this time travel thing, right, and he closes his loop, then shouldn't the older person already know? Slash, shouldn't the younger person, yeah, already know that they close their like? Yeah, shouldn't the older person know that they that that this is how it goes out? And so why fight it, right? Like because now you're messing with the timeline and the future that you live. Like I think it creates an alternate universe each time, right? Like there's there's no other way it makes sense, right? Otherwise, yeah, it, it you know, say- we know. I mean, there's, there's like, there's like nitpicky things that you could possibly say. Like, you just be like, well, how come Willis wasn't more, he like, he knew X, Y, and Z was going to happen. And, you know, he's like been doing odd jobs. He's an assassin. Why wasn't he more prepared? But it's like, if you think about stuff like that, it's not that type of movie to produce, but like. Right. Yeah. This isn't a movie that like wants you to think about the logistics of time travel. No, (laughs) because I think, I think this movie like almost admits to itself. Like if you think about it too hard or even too long, like it's going to fall apart because no time travel movie (laughs) does. Yeah. Like, and and the movie isn't about the time travel. It's about, it's about the predicament and it's about like knowledge of the future and what you can do today today to prevent it. yeah what can you do to prevent like this cladic this cataclysmic event but yeah 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 i just like i just wanted to kind of like touch on it bring it up like but and that's no fault of the movie that's just like i said as soon as you introduce time travel as a device in your story that's when you complicate your you know your you know portions of your story and like those people could like try to punch holes in it you know what i mean but yeah i Again, I think this is so high on my list because I just love the world. Like I, this it's maybe my favorite world building. I don't know. Like Dune is the only one, like other one I can think of. Blade Runner, like, but I don't, I don't really love the first one. I just love twenty forty nine. Like, like this, this is maybe my favorite example of world building exclusively in a two hour movie. Like, so I think it's partly that, and I think it's partly just concept alone. I have a feeling if I watch this movie again, I'd bring it down my list by a relatively decent amount but i don't know again hopefully i would watch this movie and be like yeah why on why on earth did i even say that this movie is great totally worth being my 11 of all time so i don't know and to the listener i apologize uh, for not having gotten around to it um but it, it 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 wasn't as high a priority this week since i'd seen it before and the goal was for joe to hopefully like it more so I'll t- look. I'll take a low side of like it. It's it's not a perfect movie, and I don't I don't know how well it's like. I don't know how super well it's aged. I mean, you know, we we talked about the effects and whatnot. We talked about like just time travel, just never really holding up. You know, I'll I'll take I'll take it as a I'll I'll take it on a on a low side. I like it for you. It's not everybody's cup. Of, I'm sure it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I I love it. It's right up my alley. But what can I say? Ryan Johnson makes good movies, so. Um, at least to me, you know, because I'm a, as you know, I'm a Last Jedi stan and a uh, 
I, I recently bumped up recently meaning like in the last year, I bumped up knives out to my second favorite movie of all time. So I love knives out. It's, really it's, it's just perfect is what it is. So yeah, it's really good. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at like letterboxd like reviews just of like fellow Civ pop writers and whatnot. And it's like, this movie's all over the board there. Yo, we've got some five stars, yo, and we've got some, we've got a half star, you know? So the movie's just all over the board and I get it right. Like, but it, it it's just kind of, it just kind of like resonates with me. So yeah, I'll, I'll check this one out again here soon, but I just, I big fan of this movie. So, um, so you were relatively unchanged in your opinion on the movie. I would say I like it more and appreciate it more than I did previously. Um, okay. like, like I said, I was like, I don't really like this movie. I'll never like would watch it again. Okay. That's fair. Cause it was like, it wasn't like it was terrible, but it was like, to me, it was like more of like a, like middle of the road for me. But. It's going to break my heart a little, but you know what? That's fine. It's at least you didn't come up being like, man, why did they even like that in the first place? Or, you know, like 10 years, it really hasn't held up well or whatever. So, you know, I'll take it. I just, yeah, I thought it would be right up your alley. It, you want to talk about Donnie Darko? Yeah, you talk about Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko is a 2001 movie starring um, lots of people, by the way. Jake Gyllenhaal, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Jenna Malone. I completely forgot that Drew Barrymore was in this. Yeah. DeVay Chase, uh, Patrick Swayze, who I totally forgot until he was on there, and then I immediately remembered his whole story arc. Uh, and there's a yeah. <laughs> there's a couple of like really little performances in here. Um, um, Beth Grant being one of them. I think she's one of those like faces, um, but not names. And then there's like uh, a couple of like Nickelodeon stars that like make brief appearances. Like Spencer from iCarly was like one of the kids at the convention. And Seth Rogen has like three lines in this movie. It's his first like screen <laughs> yeah. credit. Uh, and his first ever line is, I like your boobs and fitting. Yeah. As half the Letterboxd reviews will tell you, and that's their ex- exclusively their review. That fitting that Seth Rogen's, yeah, anyway. Letterboxd thinks they're so funny on this movie, by the way. It's annoying. N- not even funny, but so, like, this movie is the biggest, like, cult I've seen on Letterboxd. Um, so, Letterboxd users on that are listening, like, tell me a more toxic review board than Donnie Darko. <laughs> um, anyway, written and directed by Richard Kelly. Real quick, I don't even know if synopsis is going to do it, but I'm going to read whatever IMDb happens. <laughs> After narrowly escaping a bizarre accident, a troubled teenager is plagued by, plagued by visions of a large or of a man in a large rabbit costume who manipulates him to commit a series of crimes. That's more conducive than I think anything I could have put together. So, Donnie Darko, by the way, I will tell you, Joe, I watched the director's cut for this. Um, I think the first time I watched it, I watched the theatrical cut. So, as a refresher, I saw this movie once in high school. And uh, because it like it really like it, I was 2015 or so it had gained its reputation by then. And um, especially amongst high schoolers. And I checked it out and remember really hating it. But that's because I didn't understand the movie at all, because apparently. All right. So apparently nobody understands the theatrical cut because like the studio made him make cuts. But then like he wanted to explain all the way that this time travel stuff works. So it's there's a lot of it included in the director's cut. But at least for me, it was you watch a theatrical cut and then you're supposed to like also read this like manifesto. And I was like, no, too much homework. Your your (laughs) manifesto should enhance your viewing experience. It should not your viewing experience should not depend on the manifesto. And that was always my stance. And so I watched it again. I watched the director's cut this time. So to kind of put 
hopefully put that to rest. Um, but that was, if you would ask me a week ago, how do I feel about Donnie Darko? I would have said I didn't like it because of that reason. Uh, although apparently I had it at a four stars on letterbox. That must've just been me either giving into peer pressure or mistake or like copying a rating wrong or something. So, um, Joe, real quick, if I were to ask you a week ago about Donnie Darko, what would you say? Oh, I, I love it. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely flawed. Like it's not perfect. Uh, it definitely has issues, but I think out of Richard Kelly's films, it's, I mean, it's not even arguable. It's the best, it's his best film. Uh, it's, it was kind of lightning in the bottle for him. I don't think there's anything else that he had, he has directed. that's been as notable as this, but, um, but yeah, I, the first time I saw this was actually, um, it was recommended, recommended to me when I worked at Blockbuster right? and I checked it out and I just thought it was really interesting. And when I initially watched it, I think I saw the director's cut. So that probably helped too. Uh, I've mm-hmm. seen I've seen both versions. Actually, no. The first time I saw it, it might have been theatrical, and then soon after, I was like, "Let's try to get the director's cut." But uh, could be. Yeah, I think we either cut though. There's something to grab, and we'll talk more about it later. Like there, okay. there's, there's still stuff to grab onto. Joe, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't even know where to go on the like it, love it, hate it. Just like I think it's just okay scale because I don't think I could tell you. All right, here, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with didn't like it, I, but for different reasons. <laughs> I think I understand the movie more in terms of its time travel laws. I just don't think it's an engaging story, and I think it's got really good performances, and I think it's got like it, I, like I think it certainly like has a vibe and sticks with that vibe, and people just latch onto that vibe. Like I really feel like this is one of those like you had to be there kind of movies, and I just was not like. Like you had to be, you had to have seen it either when, either before you were a certain age or before a certain year. And I was, you know, a 16 year old in 2011 watching this movie being like, what the hell did I just watch? Also, I hate, I hated that. And here I am 12 years later going, I don't know what this movie is going for. I just don't understand how any of the storylines really work together. I don't think the movie's very clear on what its intention is and what it's like, what the overall either narrative or what the whole point of this movie being is. It's, it's tonally kind of all over the place. It's got a vibe that is consistent, but not necessarily a tone. And it, it has some really good performances in it. I think like specifically Jake Gyllenhaal is really great in it. There's a, there's some times where it goes a little bit like, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, where it's almost like eh, you're all you're pushing the line a little bit, but you're you're writing it, and I respect you for it. So, but I I don't think this movie like really picks a lane, and I don't really understand it. And it's also horribly paced. You know, the director's cut is about twenty minutes longer than the theatrical, and I remember the theatrical feeling like it was three hours long, and this one felt like it was you know three and a half. It's and it, but this is also one of those movies that I feel like if you kind of look away for five minutes you're gonna it, it's gonna be really hard to get invested in this movie again so i legitimately think the only way i watch this movie again is if i'm in a setting like a movie theater where all right, i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna watch it and that's it like no distractions you know no you know don't take a bathroom break like obviously i'm not pulling out my phone you know whatnot like i that's that's my initial thoughts i but i don't even know where i could see myself loving this uh, maybe on a maybe on another watch that I like got just consistent or with with a crowd or something. I don't know. I, d- I didn't like it. And I'm sorry, but I'm I'm the minority for it. And that's clear. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how you know, it's like you said, like it has like a vibe to it. And like it definitely does have like a certain vibe to it because like it's very like 
everybody's very sarcastic and like yeah they're very mm-hmm. like it's kind of weird like it's not like comedic in a sense of like how it is kind of comedic how certain characters act because like because sure. they're because they're, they're, they're they're supposed to really reflect like how suburban living is and like how like how narrow the mindset is in like certain suburban areas and like how they're easily like tricked into certain types of things like you know the whole fear and love thing like this yeah charismatic person come in and sweeping in with something and like but obviously this guy has really nothing to offer you know what i mean like yeah. it's really funny when like they have the assembly and like donnie just like destroys everything that he has like built <laughs> like, right you like you like, want you want to learn how to fight go take a karate class go pump some <laughs> go pump some weights you yeah know? go hit some weights and then kick him in the balls that's literally yeah. what he tells him and it's like there's quotes like that all over the place that really like make the movie like move for me really quickly but like i don't know the like I said, maybe I got in at the right time. I watched it at the right age. Like I watched it like in my early twenties. So I caught it at the right time where I was like catching a lot of thematic elements. And like when you're 20, you definitely like lived a little bit where like, you're like, okay, I, that makes sense to me. It's like a high school, like why you would feel that way. Now I, I'll say this. I think the movie, I think I really like the last like 10 minutes of the movie. I wouldn't say it was like mind blowing or anything, but I think I was like, oh, if, if I would have gotten this, the whole movie, I get it. You know? Like how kind of like the, that's a depressing know, we, movie if I get that the whole time well, though. <laughs> well, all right, here's here's the thing. Looper and Donnie Darko are a lot closer than I thought they would be because first of all, I forgot about time travel. I in Donnie Darko, I was like, I know there's something with whatever, but I forgot time travel, right? And obviously, Looper is time travel. But then, but then, even if you want to get to like the end resolve as the main character committing suicide to put to stop a chain of events from happening like weird double feature man um (laughs) but i like i like where the movie ends up there but like like i i i was looking through i was looking through letterboxd reviews like in the brief time between finishing and trying to because i was trying to be like why do people like this movie and you know what i find first of all none of the people i follow on letterboxd have reviews for this or if they do they're like a couple sentences not not too much substantial and i was also like trying to be quick you know so like there's certainly things to like about this movie i didn't give it like uh i give it a two out of five on letterboxd just because like performances are good specifically jake and maggie gyllenhaal i think are really good and i I, again i really like the ending but i just don't like the first like hour and 45 minutes of this movie and i don't know where it all goes but i kind of like at at the end of the movie you kind of it's it's kind of like a if it's a wonderful like was like if it's a wonderful life was flipped on its head and it's kind of like i heard somebody describe it as like it's a miserable life but like that's not a movie that I'm at all interested in seeing, like thematically or tonally or message message or whatnot. Where it's kind of like, yo, the end message of Donnie Darko is that the world is better without him, like, or at least this community is better without him. It's like that's that's not great, um, especially when the movie is trying to make a statement on meth- mental health. So, so, but but I do feel the movie going in that direction, and then it does this random subplot of you know, hey, burn this house down, and then pedo ring is exposed and it's like hey like you know this this and that and yada 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 but like i like the like frank the rabbit you know being the character and then eventually we're introduced to a real frank who's wearing a bunny costume because it was a halloween party like makes sense right like i like the way that like that loop was closed yeah if you get more into the actual like nuts and bolts of it frank is frank from that tangent universe that got killed and became the living receiver like that's part of like the time travel stuff like if you want to get really deep into the time travel stuff that's where that stuff you know like you said you have to like either read extra material or you have to watch the director's cut and like right. pause it at certain times so you can read certain excerpts 
but um but yeah i think i think even at the theatrical cut this movie has a lot to offer even if you like you don't even really care about the time travel stuff like you're there with this kid in the 80s it's during it's about to be the reagan era Mm-hmm. Uh, he feels very alienated in his in his like very suburban very narrow-minded like kind of like neighborhood and like he feels like he's like the smartest person there but it's like kind of insufferable like how he feels that way but but then kind of gretchen kind of steps in and kind of like makes him likable and makes him more you know what i mean sure makes him more well, yeah i mean there's comfortable like, this whole community him. is unlikable right because like there's the whole like the the science teacher right that was like Noel wiley right yeah, from, he's, he's one of the cool teachers. You know what I mean, like him and like and yeah, he's cool. yeah, he's cool and he's interesting. And then the conversation kind of turns to God. And he's like, ah, I gotta stop it here, otherwise I get fired, right? And you're like, oh, right. like, understandable, cool, I get it. And then like, there's the Drew Barrymore thing, and she's fired because she's you know kind of trying to break the mold, uh, you know, of this of this whatnot. It's yeah, this community's just miserable, and I would hate living there as well, right? Hey, it, I mean, it also doesn't help that like. Per- through like the books that they're reading, like he's progressively doing doing the exact things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like calling calling shots. You know what I mean? It's like foreshadowing. It's, it's it's the point. We're not supposed to like this town. We're supposed to feel like that, like Donnie. But like again, like I don't know. I don't know what this movie is or is trying to say. I just know it's got a vibe, and it's really good at hitting that vibe. I don't think it hits the tone well. I definitely don't think it has any sort of consistent narrative running through. I think it's all just kind of jumbled mess set to a really cool soundtrack. And I was, I was looking up Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal did a little short and he's like, yeah, I went to audition for this movie and sat down with Richard Kelly. And he was just like a really cool guy. And he just, he's like, I'm thinking about playing these songs for the movie. And he just put on the soundtrack. And then like the next day I got the call that I got the job. It's like, like that's to me, super believable. Like, you, he made this movie for the soundtrack and the vibes and I don't know, maybe, maybe to do some sort of like time travel manifesto thing, something, something that is unique because it absolutely is in the way that it talks about time travel and, and shows it right. I, again, I just, I don't latch on to anything in this movie. I, I really think this is one of those, like you had to be there movies and I was not and am not. And I don't get why people like this movie. It has a 4.0 average on Letterboxd, which is just insanely high for a movie like this, I think. But again, I'm like, I was looking through review through the reviews and it's a lot of like five stars. It's like, I have no idea what I watched, but I loved it. And it's like, I don't think you loved it then. <laughs> like, and whatever, you know, judge movies however you want and that's fine. But it's like, how can you be like, I don't know what I saw, but it was great. Like, and and then go five stars because I, I go like, I don't know what that was, but I had a hell of a time. Four stars, you know, we'll figure it out on the next watch or whatever. Or a lot of them are like joke or satire reviews of like five stars. And it's like, it's like Donnie Darko literally died for us. You know, we remember him on this October 30th. It's like, again, biggest cult there. And there was people I've seen that like are blocked their comments because they're like, man, everybody's so toxic on here. If you don't give this movie five stars anyway, that I had already made up my mind about the movie at that point. I went to the I went to the reviews to see why do people love this? I want a lot of times I go to letterboxd reviews to be like, why do people think this is good? And a lot of times I learn things from there. And what I learned is that don't publicly say you hate Donnie Darko. (laughs) (laughs) I just. None of it connected to me. I really feel like it's one of those you had to be there and I wasn't there and it's a vibe and sure, it's got good. Perf- there's a, there's I there's things to like about it, but the movie itself is not that thing to me, you know? 
Yeah, like, I I really like the cast. I think they work really well together. I kind of like how it has like kind of a dark humor to it throughout. Uh, There's some really funny moments too. I do think a lot of it works and a lot of it melts well together. Um, like I said, we're completely flipped on a lot of this stuff, but um, and that's, that's that's fine. Well, but again, like I got bored and I didn't think that it was well paced, or I didn't think I the, the movie didn't interest me enough because I I didn't really know where it was going or anything. Even though I'd seen the movie before, and the only thing I remembered was. Jake Gyllenhaal kills himself by getting into bed so an airplane can fall on him. Like that's all I remembered. So I'm like, okay, so somehow we get that. You know, he's 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 choosing to sacrifice himself. Like I know that's where we get to. Yeah, they don't really explain it too well, but like he's the one who actually pulls down the engine on himself because in his tangent universe, he's granted abilities. And like, see, there, there's a lot of this stuff, like that type of stuff, you're not going to like really get unless you watch the theatrical cut. So that's not going to help well, you out when you're watching the you know, when you're watching the theatrical cut. You're going to be like, "What did I just see? How did he get up there and throw an axe through the you know through the you know what I mean mm-hmm. through the mascot's head? You know how did he do all and, X, Y, and Z? Yeah. And to the point, like you're not going to get all that unless you're paying attention to every second of this movie. And this movie just could not hold my attention. Yeah. Every time I was like, "All right, I'm I'm sticking to it. I'm going for it." I would find any excuse I could to stop watching it. <laughs> so. Again, I don't see myself watching this movie again unless I was in an environment where it's like you're going to sit down and you're going to watch it and there's nothing you can do besides that. Like, and I do think it would be fun. I think this would be like a really perfect like uh, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show or The Room, like midnight screenings, you know, where people like dress up as Frank the Bunny and, you know, can quote the lines back and forth. I'm like this like this feels like a cult hit where people are like I don't know what the movie is, but it's a vibe and so we're going to vibe along with it and have fun. Like that, that was my experience. And I, Joe, I, I am, I'm willing to, I'm willing to admit I am the minority and I hope to one day get it, but I just don't. (laughs) Cause like, I also said like, it's, it's kind of a place or time. Right. But like Rowan saw it and Rowan gave it a four and a half. Like I said, I, I explained this (laughs) and why I like it, but I can't explain why you should like it. You know what I mean? Like there's the reasons why I like it because I think the character stuff is done incredibly well i like the i like the gradual kind of like we were talking about how like similar the beat that these are like it's funny because like donnie is a really kind of a selfish person like he's very like oh woe is me because because of this and like he, i mean he may or may not have mental illness we don't know that's part of the narrative too like you don't oh, really boy. know so i mean we, i get the feeling that we're supposed to believe he does because he's been in therapy for a while before right. there had to been at least signs of like him doing you know what I mean? not maybe not yeah. to the extent of like the things that are happening to him in the film you know what i mean when they yeah but um but no i think i think once you grasp onto some of the concepts like that's where i started really liking it like knowing where the tangent universe started and where it ends and like how i think the more times i watched it the more i learned about the actual time travel rules that also helped too like so I, I ended up finding different things I liked about the film every time I watched it. Like I watched it as a straight up film character piece. I liked it. And I watched it as kind of a time travel kind of like coming of age story type of piece. And I, I liked it as well. So mm-hmm. maybe third time will be the charm. Cause again, I didn't like it the first time I watched it, but for completely different reasons as this time. So, you know, maybe, maybe I'll do some research and I'll look it up. And that way by the, by the third time I watch the movie, maybe then I'll, be like, oh yeah, I get it now. Sure, I, th- I think I also like the fact that it's a little more subtle than most 
80s kind of period films are like it's not like in your face 80s. yeah 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 like there's undertones of it like like with the score you know there's tears for fears like you said it's mm-hmm. a really cool score but yeah i think it was a good choice to have the kids wear school uniforms so like most of the time mm-hmm. because that really just kind of like you're like this could have taken place just about anywhere unless they start talking about politics or like politics at the time and stuff then that stuff starts to kind of come in but like um it's fun to hear their conversations too there's a particular smurf conversation that we can't really talk too much about <laughs> oh favorite scene of the favorite okay. scene of the movie like yeah. legitimately i i, I <laughs> it's it's so funny i'm trying to rationalize you know certain situations and the smurf yeah and then he just comes and he's like okay but this and this and this and that and you're like logistically just he's like shut up nerd like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's the resolution yeah awesome um uh, again like I, I i'm trying to like I, I mentioned to you joe before we started recording i was like man i have like everything and nothing to say about this movie like I don't know what I watched. And honestly, maybe even by the time this episode goes live, I'll feel differently. But I, I just I really doubt it. And please, for the love of God, if you are listening and you love this movie, tell me why, because nobody can seem to tell me why other, you know, more more clear than you just did, Joe. But even then, you're like, I know I liked it. I can't convince you to like, well, here's I mean, why I like it. And hard, you did not. You're not on that same it's page. It's hard to convince anybody of like liking anything unless it's like definitive. Like, sure if someone's like oh yeah seven samurai like i'm not gonna watch that i'm like no you have to watch that like it literally is like a like must watch before you know you you deceased type of movie where it's like Johnny darko it's a solid film it's not perfect some people are not gonna like it <laughs> hands down some people are just not gonna like it it's just not for them like right it's not even a well, fact and of, I'm like, the some people yeah it's yeah. not even a fact of like not getting it it just some people just don't like certain films and that's totally right fun. yeah and there's like certainly plenty of examples of you know like why do you like this movie that much or you know whatnot like it, there's a million different examples of like of, said, of what you're talking about like cold hit or, is like, like is like nail beat head like it just this is a cold hit like and 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 there's a bunch of movies that i could say i love and i wish you could love but I can't explain why you should love it. Like there's times where it's just, which it's just a vibe, you know, like, or it's, or it's like, like it just fits perfectly. Or I like, you know, this, you know, like when, when I, when I explain to my normal friend, like my normal non-movie friends that the nice guys is my favorite movie. And they're like that one, I've never heard of that one. It's like, well, you've never heard of it. You haven't seen it. Watch it. Like, and then like, Oh, I, I get it. Like, it's very funny. It's clever. It's yada, yada, yada. They're like, it's still a stretch. I'm like, sure. But I laughed my whole way through it. Or like, you know, explaining to people why, you know, a, a particular movie might be really high. And you're like, well, here, this, 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 and this. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that for Donnie. Please somebody Donnie Darko that for me. <sighs> Joe, I am tapped out. I, I am, I am ready to be done. But if you have anything else you want to say about the movie, I do want to hear it. No, I think it's nothing that hasn't been already stated like i said i really enjoy the movie and there's always like something i kind of grasp onto and i don't know it, every time i watch it i feel really melancholy afterwards i there's a sense there's like a tinge of like hopelessness to the end of the movie so i don't know there's this like you said maybe it's a vibe it's a feeling too you know what i mean like sure so yep very nice well i don't think we were super successful in the change my mind challenge but i think you're pretty su- successful i mean like i said i rewatched it and i was like no. Oh, I could imagine yeah. this being something I'd watch every now and then. Like it'd be probably be fine. 
I'll say this, Joe. Um, if we did not do it for this podcast, I don't think I would have ever watched Donnie Darko again. And again, <laughs> like I'm, I'm still willing to watch it again, but like it's got to be like my local indie that they'll, they'll show this movie sometime soon. And you know what? Next time it shows up, I'll make it a point to go. But yeah, so like it's certainly successful. And again, like watching the director's cut, like I absolutely can. I just have different reasons for disliking the movie. And you know, I, I, I would say. My mind was changed, just not in the way that I think either of us intended, you know? <laughs> I dislike the re- the movie for completely different reasons. And even then, I'm not sure how confidently I am in even saying that. But you know what? I, I know that I applauded when the movie was over because it was over. So that's not a great sign. But let's talk about some other movies, Joe, that uh, we'll do this relatively briefly. Movies that you think are either underrated or underseen for whatever reason, either they didn't get their due diligence at the time or they you know have a reputation so people have people have kind of stayed away from them what's what's the first movie you kind of want to kick off on this list yeah i actually have uh one on here that we actually reviewed um yeah i put alita battle angel i think it's really underrated um i think it was incredibly underseen for several reasons i think mainly because it's kind of like a lesser ip um as far as like anime and manga are. like it's kind of older it's you know it's early 90s kind of inspired so uh, yeah, that's the first one I had on the list. And I think it's like, you know, for being an anime film, too. I mean, it had a lot going against it. Uh, I think it's the best James Cameron film that uh, Robert Rodriguez ever directed. <laughs> it definitely has. It definitely feels like a Cameron film at times in a good way. So, yeah, I will kick us off by mentioning I'll mention a 2023 release because Jake watched a movie and really loved it and eventually robert watched it and really loved it and then eventually i watched it and really loved it and then so foster watched it and at least enjoyed it a good amount and it's been kind of one of those things where it's like nobody was talking about this movie and i I still don't think are but kind of a surprise i think it's done really well is uh to catch a killer which which is on hulu right now had a very limited theatrical release i think it's it's narratively kind of your at least at least in terms of like the overall structure there's a lot of like nuance and subtleties to it and there's a lot that works really well it's kind of narratively your like there was a mass killing now we got to find the guy that did it and you know we know where that's gonna end to a standoff you know but there's so much complexity to every character and i think the way that the that i think the way that the killings are shot and displayed are just horrifying so not for the faint of heart really worth your time um i think so it's available on hulu to catch a killer joe you got another one yeah um i put like a studio's uh kubo and the two strings i mean i i think a lot of people watched it but i don't think as many it got as many eyes on it that you know i thought it should and i actually thought it was a better animated film than zootopia that may be a hot take but in my opinion i thought it was oh boy that's tough it's yeah, it's it's tough either way. I, oh my! But I just I love the story that Koopa and the Two Strings tells, and it's such like it's I wouldn't say adult oriented story, but it really is. You know what I mean? Like it really. I think it's not patronizing oh at all. You know what I mean? It really like the ending. I think too, like, I like Zootopia more, but I respect Kubo more. Yeah, that's fair. like Kubo is certainly the better feat, but Zootopia just works better for me. But either way, yeah, I mean, yeah, good movie. So you know what, Joe. We mentioned Terminator already, and I kind of really like Terminator 3, like a lot. It's one of those movies that I'm watching, and I'm like, it's fine. Like, it's okay. It's nowhere near Terminator 1 or 2, and 
like admittedly like it's it's a lot more straightforward of a plot than specifically two and i think that's why people didn't like it when it came out but i think it's got one of the coolest endings of all time like just the concept of the ending of like the whole movie is building towards we are tr- uh, we are trying to stop judgment day and then the the what might be my favorite movie twist of all time no <laughs> The whole plan was for us to get John Connor to safety because Judgment Day was always going to happen. We There was nothing we could do to stop it. The only plan that we had was to get John Connor to safety. We just didn't tell you because you are needed. Like freaking amazing twist. Yeah, it's a yeah, I think I think the twist is really solid to me. It's like the execution on some some aspects. But like even when you go back and see like Terminator 2, like there's comedic elements. There's like things to it. Like yeah, that. but I don't know. Terminator 2 to me is like a perfect, like the like the perfect film. Like I can I wouldn't even like know what to change really. But so but yeah. It's yeah, I mean it's like it's certainly the weakest of the three, especially in filmmaking, and you know, there's there's not quite an iconic performance like, you know, Arnold in the first two. Like he's in the third one, but he's not as iconic, you know, and the the female Terminator is pretty iconic, but like I think they tried to do like a hybrid of CGI and it just didn't work really well. And anyway, point is, I think it's like a really okay movie that just typically gets crapped on because it's not Terminator two. And every like sense reboot yeah. has tried to like, you know, erase Terminator three from existence. And it's like, guys, Terminator three's a pretty fine movie with a really excellent ending. <laughs> so anyway, uh, do you have another one? Yeah. Um, I got here, uh, thirdly, um, big trouble in little China. Um, I think mm-hmm. I think the more I watch Big Trouble in China, it just like it adds on dividends. Like it's it's just a fun movie to watch, and the, it's so quotable. And Kurt Russell's like just at his best. He's doing his best John Wayne impression the entire time, and it's, it's just awesome. But yeah, I'd say Big Trouble in China. I think I think John Carpenter directed the hell out of it. Well, we will talk more Big Trouble in Little China in May, June, somewhere around there. Either way, we'll talk about it sometime here soon. Uh, I want to throw out. My favorite first watch of 2023 uh, was The Kid Detective. So if you want to hear more thoughts on that movie, go check out the episode um, that we did on The Kid Detective. Um, under the radar because it was a 2023 release and and an indie project in general. Um, but really loved that movie and was my favorite first watch of 2023. So more thoughts on that episode. I'm an, And yeah, really great movie. I've got a couple others, but it's your turn if you would like. Yeah, the last one I had here uh, for myself was Mandy. I know you recently saw Mandy. But yeah. Yeah, I really loved it. I thought it was my favorite film of 2018. Yeah, but I, I even like, I tried to get my friend to watch it. He just couldn't get through the first half of it. Because mm-hmm. I happen to like both halves of it. I like I like the, the way I like to sell it or elevate a pitch it. It goes from art house to grindhouse. <laughs> kind of just kind of like, and there's not like a whole lot of blending when it does that. It kind of like gets into it, but um yeah, I would I would say Mandy, and I think it's one of Nick Cage's better recent performances. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we talked about it not that long ago. I think my thoughts are pretty well known on on that movie. I'll round us off. I'm sure I could think of some more that might even be like deeper cuts, but I just have a couple here written down as I was lightly browsing my list. Um, I will mention. Um, I think Last Night in Soho is really good and really worth your time, and it's a little different and it's a little out there, but that's kind of. You know, the point it's it's certainly like oddly the most straightforward Edgar Wright film that there's ever been. But it's also it's really like that, that that's the case, <laughs> but it's also like 
maybe the most like depth that an Edgar Wright movie has ever had. Cause a lot of time he's doing like mostly like it's satire comedy or, you know, like, you know, certainly like comedic elements that certainly have some like character depth that is more implied, but not necessarily explored. And I, I also just, I love the messaging, the message in last night in Soho. I think like visually it's stunning. It's excellent performances. I just, it's a beautiful looking movie. It's, I think a lot of people were like, you know what? Like either they dismissed it because oh I'm not interested in Edgar Wright not doing his typical shtick or oh it came out and people aren't really loving it but you know what I did and I just need that to be known. I'll also throw out Sinister. I think Sinister is my favorite like horror movie. I think so good, especially like paranormal horror. Like if we want to get into like probably Alien is my favorite horror, but if we want to get into like paranormal horror, we'll go Sinister. I think it just. I think it that, came out in 2012, and that was just the year, like the the decade of mediocre, always the same, you know, horror movies that didn't really do anything different. And I think a lot of people just skipped over it. And if you are re- remotely a horror fan, you have seen this movie. If you are casual horror fan, you probably skipped over it. Um, but I love this movie, and it's also like they just released a new test on like what is the scariest movie according to science. And um, Sinister topped it like like they, they hooked people up to an EKG machine and monitored their heartbeat while watching the movie. And Sinister had the highest growth for the most consistent amount of it's, the run time. It's like what they show and don't show. Right. And I think yes. it's super effective. And like the grainy film quality of like the home like recordings, like it does everything like right. Editing wise. I think the editing is like super strong in that film. It, mm-hmm. really, it really like mm-hmm. i mean of course mm-hmm. all the performances help too but like the editing is like really really effective and like i'm getting that scare out of you but yeah that's funny that scientifically the scariest i also i can't think of a movie that i think has done lighting or sound better in horror and also the super eight footage is just ugh. i got two yeah, more to throw out here <laughs> one of them is the next time that you are in the mood for like a two and a half star action romp look no further than lockout it is what it is. It knows what it is. It's stylish. It's cool. It's like 90 minutes. It's not great. It's a, it's like a two and a half star breeze. But you know what? If you're if, when you know when you know what you're in for, the movie can be a lot of fun. And the last one I really want to shout out is I think this movie really gets lost in the shuffle of when talking about Aaron Sorkin specifically, because I love Molly's game. And I think a lot of the times we talk about Sorkin and we jump to Moneyball and a few good men and social network and justifiably so three incredible movies and we also jump to west wing and maybe even newsroom yeah admittedly like understandable yo but i'm a i'm a big lover of trial of the chicago seven as known and i just love molly's game and it's a travesty to me that we don't put molly's game in the same level as we do the others it's sure it's maybe not quite as like memorable maybe it doesn't quite have those moments as well as something like a few good men does and because Sorkin directs it instead of Fincher, it's not going to have like that extra pristine quality that social network has, or, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't quite have as much heart as Moneyball. Uh, but like, I, I think this movie is genuinely excellent and Jessica Chastain's best performance to date. I love Molly's game and it just pains me that we don't talk about it in the same vein as we do other Sorkin works. So yeah, there's my, there's my Molly's game plug. Yeah, I've always meant to watch it. I just, I don't know, I just haven't gotten around to it. 
I've heard super really good, good man. I've heard good things. So and and also I mentioned probably my favorite Jessica Alba or sorry Jessica Chastain performance to date. Man, it's a top three Idris Elba performance, and like that's saying something because that dude's is great. <laughs> yeah. And and if like if if we can count TV, like. <laughs> You know, I still maybe think it's a top three performance just with the wire and Luther on top. You know, which is like pretty crazy because like Stringer Bell is like probably one of the yeah. greatest TV characters of all time. <laughs> and yeah, Idris Elba has some great performances, and this is certain certainly one of them. I cannot believe that neither of them were not even nominated for an Oscar because they would have been my picks to win. So there you go, check it out, Joe. Spinoff time. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to tell everybody to check out or to stay away from? Yeah, um, I'm always like tossing out anime stuff. So like recently I've been rewatching Space Dandy. Um, so I'd say give that a shot if you like kind of like kind of kooky space stuff and like Cowboy Bebop it's by the same director. So uh, maybe check that out. Um, also, what started pretty recently, I think this weekend was Solo Leveling. That's based off of Mama, which is a uh, Korean manga and uh, Delicious in Dungeon on Netflix. Um, I kind of like how they're going with the whole fantasy thing, but like it, there's a really more of a focus on food and they make the food look really exquisite. like delicious looking so um yeah those are the things that i recommend this session i don't know i've been watch- i haven't watched a ton because i couldn't get around to looper so like obviously i didn't get around to a ton the i think the only new movie that i've seen since recording last was um uh me and my wife watched gran turismo because that was one of the ones she was interested in and which by the way is based off a true story if you didn't know <laughs> and uh, it's uh it's a it's a totally okay like totally fine three three and a half star movie it really mostly elevated by the direction but i think there's a really good like four and a half star potentially even best picture nominated movie in here i just think the movie's direction is is standard biopic you know what's going to happen at every point throughout the road and there's there's a big moment that happens probably three quarters (laughs) through the movie that is almost a footnote in hindsight and i think if that's the focal point of the movie i think the movie's a lot better and that's my like one thing i'd say like, excellent directed bare bones but ba- like like basic story that you kind of know good enough performances nothing crazy good but like movie could have been crazy good if it just shifted events slightly <laughs> so could have been awesome <clears throat> instead of taking up five minutes of the movie's runtime i think this thing should have taken up a majority of the runtime you know get past all the things that we know duh obviously you know breeze past all that stuff and really focus your time on that i think that could be a killer movie so it's still a recommend on that note that's a wrap so remember you can follow joe on instagram uh, i'll have his handle in the episode description below here and you can follow me on social media places at schweit castle quick reminder hip hop writers room is part of studio dna network you can check out other great shows at studio dna.media or by searching studio dna in your podcast player and if you're interested in writing for sifpop.com or you want to get in contact with the show, send us a question to explore it in the B-plot or something like that, email writersroomatsifpop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify if you're listening over that way. Next week, Joe, this is exciting. Next week, every Sifpop writer has a chance to send me their top five films of 2023. Um, and we will play that for you here. They know they have like some extra parameters. So you might hear some additional things, but all of our writers have a chance to submit their top five films of 2023 and some other fun things that we'll be doing. Also, check out the Sifties on the site because we'll have that uh, up and running as well in the next, I think, week. I think it goes live the week that that episode drops. So it'll be Monday through Friday, one article every day for two full weeks. So uh, um, two full Monday through Fridays, I should say. So 
in two weeks, uh, Robert and Samuel will be joining me to talk about breakfast at Tiffany's as part of our GOAT segment. And Joe, next month, Jason is joining us to talk about the Stieg Larsson Dragon Tattoo Trilogy, specifically the Swedish. I'm excited for that. Like, really excited for that one. So, you haven't seen them yet, have you? I think I've only seen the first one. <clears throat> well, it should be... Hope, hopefully, we both can end up in, in a love it camp on at least one of these films. But either way, I'm excited to talk about them with you next month. And uh, I better you know, I better, better start watching them now if I want to get them done <laughs> by then. So, uh, I pre- as always, Joe, I appreciate your time. And uh, I had a blast talking with you, even though the... Uh, Maybe I didn't get the desired outcome where you just adore Looper with me, but (laughs) all good. Yeah. Likewise. Always a good time. Cool. Well, we'll see you next month and uh, listener. We'll see you back here next week.